Welcome to Goodwill Talk. We're so glad you're here today. At Goodwill Talk, you'll get to know your pastors, hear answers to your questions, gain biblical perspective on things going on in the world, and most of all, grow in your love for Jesus and the Bible. Let's listen in to today's conversation. How you doing, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Goodwill Talk. It is great to be with you today. This is Pastor Marcos Ortega, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Jessica Kilduff. How you so, doing, Jess? I'm good. Jess, I'm good. You're a little cranky. <laughs> I'm unprepared. Well, yeah, I'm unprepared more than normal. You didn't bring your headphones. No, I forgot them at home. And you've done nothing but complain about it ever since. Oh, that what's makes me your, sound what, very petty. <laughs> what's the issue with the headphones? Why, why well, is the look, headphones we supply you not worthy of Jessica Kilda? They're not as comfortable as mine. That's really the only reason. Oh, so I you're just mine, just are, a, mine have like a little bit softer fabric and a softer cushion. My wife has a word for that. It's sissy lala. Okay. So I'm sissy lala <laughs> sissy about lala. my headphones. Okay. Wow. That's... They fit my head good. They They're fit fun. your head good. They do. All right. Well, so anyway, you, you I do for... numbers and not words for a living, right? Correct. Okay. All <laughs> I'm right. I'm a spreadsheet girl. I love me some QuickBooks. Okay. Well, listen, but, we're yeah. being rude. We're having a full conversation about your sissy lala-ness and we're ignoring the fact <laughs> that we have guests. Yes. Yes. Guests. guests. Have we ever had more than... I don't think we have. Uh, there was a special episode about the sabbatical with John where we had like three guests in that one. But oh, yeah. I mean, this is the first time. Introduce our guests for us, Jess. We've got Pastor Jose. Hey, how are you doing? Good. And his wife, Kim. Hey, how, how are, are you? you? It's Good. nice to have everybody. It's a full room. It is nice a full room. It's a hot full room. It's well, a very <laughs> hot full room. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we have us. <laughs> this incredible studio and uh, we are recording this in the summer and our air conditioning is not quite working the way we'd like. Yeah. So we're about to get to know each other real well it's in this episode. No, it's not, it's not balanced. <laughs> but that's okay. We're going to we're gonna gonna have great. fun. And we are talking about a very important subject today. It's something that we've talked about a lot as pastors, as um, pastors and elders, leadership and on staff. We've all been talking about the um, challenge that we are all facing around mental health. There is a real mental health crisis that is happening right now. And, and that's not just in our area. That's national. And actually, because of COVID-19, it's global. But what we want to talk about is um, the kind of the current state of the mental health crisis here in our communities, Orange County um, specifically, but also this is going to be reflected in Dutchess County and Ulster County where our branches are. And so, um, Jose, I want, to, I want to start with you. What are you seeing as a pastor when it comes to mental health? What are some of the, the red flags you're seeing? Um, I think that... People are just full of fear, anxiety, worry, but not just normal fear, anxiety, and worry. It's almost ramped up 10 to 15 times, and, and what's happening is whatever coping mechanisms they had in dealing with these issues in the past because it's all ramped up, it's um, it's creating a real big problem. And the issue is, is that um, the services are extremely overwhelmed. Um, you know, there's very little help. I mean, more and more helps are being made available, 
but it's really hard um, to get somebody from point A to point B to access the help. Yeah, it's because it, it, it just carries this um, stigma in reference of, hey, there's something mentally wrong with me right now. Yeah. And I feel like for people who are like, I'm fine. I've always been, I'm not, this isn't, you know, I'm stronger than everyone else. Like those people are struggling maybe even more than normal because they do have this uh, mentality that like, I'm different. I'm, you know, it's not superior, but you know, like that things like that, that they have good, good coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And so they really are struggling with the, I'm, I'm not okay, but I've always told people that this doesn't bother me. So how do I, like, how do I even start? Right. So, um, I think by starting is knowing that the church is a place to, um, get help at, at least that initial help because the church will at least then give you the resources that one needs to be able, um, to, um, get that ongoing support. But, uh, but mental health, it, it has like these two prongs, right? It, it has the stigma of, you know, it's, if we have a cold, we have no problem going to the doctor. But if somebody has a mental issue, um, there's just this brick wall in reference of pursuing the help, you know, and, um, and then once you get there, there's always a treatment plan and most people struggle will how long do I need to do this? And a lot of times there is medicine that helps in balancing somebody that's out of balance. But a lot of times just talking about what you're feeling and most people don't want to talk about what they're feeling. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. right about that. And and I wonder if you could share quickly, you know, and, and this I think is gonna pivot us to to Kim as well. I think it's important that people hear this. We are not mental health professionals as pastors. We are pastors. Um, we can have a conversation. We can talk to you. But when we talk about the church providing the resources, ordinarily, we're going to be assessing, do I need to refer you to somebody who actually knows what they're doing? My couple of counseling classes <laughs> at seminary do not qualify me to deep dive with somebody who's really having a real mental health, especially a mental health emergency where you need mental health, like, like mental health CPR, basically. Right. You need an emergency situation. We're not equipped for that. Right. And really, there's only a certain level that we can get to and so, Jose, I wonder if you could speak to that, because you oversee our counseling right. ministries. But then also, Kim, I'd love to hear um, how you receive those referrals. Like, what does it look like when we do refer somebody to sure. the county? Okay. Right? Maybe, you, maybe you should start with what you do. Oh, okay. I don't think we ever started yeah. with that. I'm sorry. So um, I work for the Alcoholism and Drug Abuse Council of Orange County. We're located in Goshen. Uh, we are a nonprofit agency, so everything we do is free to uh, individuals that need help. Uh, what I specifically do is I'm a family support navigator, so I walk alongside of individuals who have a loved one that is struggling with substance use, alcohol use disorder, substance use disorder. Um, I do have a lot of information on mental health and what is going on. And I think the most important thing, there's a couple of things. One is there is help in the county. You're not alone. 
uh, we need to rise above the stigma and shame that comes along with mental health, schizophrenia, anxiety, having depression, um, maybe having some suicidal ideation, as well as maybe summing the coping skills that go along with that. So individuals using substances, opioids, or drinking. Because what we need to remember is um, the world changed with COVID. And so with that, um, we've never been a part of collective trauma, sustained collective trauma like we have been. You know, we had 911, we've had some other incidences go on, but this has been going on for such a long time and has really changed the landscape. So people who never really, you know, were able to move forward in their lives, you know, come to church, lean into their prayer life, maybe lean into some friendships are struggling. They're struggling, they're depressed, you know, they've lost their job and things like that. So what I do is I work with individuals, um, family members, loved ones, spouses, moms, dads, sisters, whatever, um, that have an individual in their lives that are really struggling with substance and alcohol use. I wonder when, when, when they get to you, Kim, in the county, okay. um, you know, they've already, something has happened where they've realized they need help or somebody else has realized they need help. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wonder, um, what are some of the signs and either of you can, can answer this. Right. What are some of the signs that you may, may need some mental health help? I mean, okay. people may not realize that, oh, this is actually a, uh, this is mental health imbalance. I'm just not feeling well. I am mentally sick. Yeah. They may not realize the signs. Right. So I wonder what are some of those signs? Right. So let me answer the first question you asked a little while ago, and then that'll help us to transition into this second question. Right. So as pastors, right. Our number one role in counseling is really um, pastoral counseling, right? So our job is to work hard to stay in that lane. So when individuals come and see us, um, we are really addressing the issue of where are you in relationship to God? How is God impacting your life? And a lot of times people will equate their relationship to God and God's ability to restore because their mental stability is off balance, right? So part of what we do is to assess their relationship with God. And then at that point, we will encourage, you need a greater, higher level of care. Mm-hmm. And and that is when we will start to suggest, okay, maybe you need to reach out to this organization, this because it might be also a chemical imbalance. Like some people have a stigma and taking medicine to take something that is out of balance to be put back into balance. And um, so again, that's pretty much what we do. Um, we do have training where um, we are able to assess clearly um, what they call first aid mental health, mm-hmm. right? So, so we are able to capture that initial um, signs of, hey, there's something off here. And then we are able to refer. 
from that. But we really are not licensed to do that kind of work, right? So mm-hmm. it's really important to stay in our lane, right? Yeah. So yeah. So, so what would you say, Kim? So so here's a couple of things, and stop me if I start talking for too long. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing is everyone ought to be reading about and looking into how do you engage with somebody who is potentially suicidal? Suicide is huge. It's on the rise. And we need to be able to have a conversation with somebody about it. That you can go right online and look up Columbia scale suicide um, information. There's an hour long free training. There is a quick brochure. And there are you know, questions that you can instantaneously assess somebody. Hey, um, so what's going on? Oh, I don't, I don't feel like living anymore. This life, it's too hard. Well, what does that look like for you? Do you have a plan? Are you planning on harming yourself? Oh, you are? Well, how would you do that? And then if you assess, wow, I, I feel like I'm getting into deep water here. I'm concerned. If you live in um, Orange County, you pick up the phone and you dial 311. That is the Orange County Mental Health Crisis Call Line. They are they have counselors 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they can assist you. That is what they're there for. It's an incredible resource that the county has. Wow. Well, and I think this is a great place to emphasize this. If folks are listening to this episode and they're starting to realize that kind of sounds a little bit like me, mm-hmm. then what they need to do is they need to call 311. They can absolutely call 311. And again, it's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week resource like how incredible that we live in orange county they have one in ulster county um i don't know if you call they have one in duchess all the counties have them but i know in orange county you just pick up the phone and dial 311 and we uh what 311 also has is if there's an escalating situation so let's say you have a loved one that is you know just really having a difficult time Maybe they're throwing things around the house. They've locked themselves in their room. They're just not acting right. Something isn't right. Call 311. They have a mobile response team that they can send out. They don't come roaring up in with flashing lights. They're clinical counselors that are going to come to your home, assess the situation, and move forward from there. And if things are really dicey, listen, Call 911. There are a lot of crisis intervention police officers that are trained in our county. They're wonderful. They're there to help you during those times. Pick up the phone and call. And and I'll say this, right? It's um if anything is beneficial, right? So is that if there's anybody that you are aware of that you are in contact with and if at any time somebody makes a reference hey, you know what, I'm thinking of hurting myself, I'm thinking of ending this, you know what, it might be better if I'm not here, you know what, nobody will notice me. Um, Know that those are signs that somebody is thinking that um, their life isn't worth living, right? So at that moment, you have the ability to ask them, are you going to hurt yourself directly, right? And and part of it is listening to their response. Do you have a plan of how you're going to do this? Right? And if they say yes, 
you stop, you pick up the phone, you call 911. Or you call 311. And, yeah. and, and, and the bottom line is, is that they might be upset with you, but part of suicide is providing an, an intervention that prevents the person from following through. And usually that's like a 10-minute window, right? So if you talk to them 10 minutes before, 10 minutes after, they probably won't even think about doing this, mm -hmm. right? But it's that 10-minute window that all of a sudden somebody who's rational makes a decision that, you know what, that this is the only answer, right? right? And so, so again, it's, it's important mm -hmm. to just address it and not make it so much about you, you know, oh, what are they going to think of me? You know what, I'm going to lose a friend. No, the potential of somebody losing their life is, is right there in front of you. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you have the option of, of 311, but what, what I do specifically is with alcohol and substance use. And so people usually get to me by word of mouth or maybe they are hearing this. And so um, then I begin to engage the loved one in a different way. You know, what's happening? What kind of treatment have you sought out? And so the ADAC, we call it, the Alcoholism and Drug Abuse Council, is full of resources for the community as well. So if any of the listeners are out there, and of course any of the pastors know, um, if you're dealing with somebody who has an alcohol use disorder, has a substance use disorder, you're questioning their usage. Maybe your young child is getting into the whole THC thing and you know, starting to vape or you found some marijuana in the house, you can call, call us. You know, it's a free resource to the community. We have a lot of resources and answers for you. Um, I would recommend a book um, by Dr. Jeffrey Footy, F-O-O-T-E. It's called Beyond Addiction. You can order it on Amazon. It's a really great resource for individuals who have a loved one struggling with substances. So I have a, this is just kind of a quick yes or no question. When people call 311 or when they reach out to ADAC, is that anonymous? 311, you can be anonymous. Okay. Because there may be some folks who are just worried, oh, if I call and then it gets out and it gets to my employer or something like that. There, yeah. That could be another obstacle for so, folks. So here's the thing that you have to remember when you're calling a, a, a crisis call line like 311 or you're calling ADAC. We are ethically bound by HIPAA law. You can't just say, oh, hey, Jess, guess what? <laughs> you know, your neighbor called me the other day. You know, we are bound. You cannot give out any of that information. So anybody who's feeling like, well, I'm really concerned because I don't want, let's say they called me at ADAC because they felt like they had a, a drinking problem and maybe they'd like to engage in it and talk about it, or the wife would like to engage and talk about it. Um, the conversation doesn't go any further except between the two of us. That's important. Yeah. Confidentiality. Absolutely. We were, so We've talked about, uh, you know, sources, resources for if you, you know, know somebody who you think is suicidal or, or really in that dark place. But what about for just people who are having a hard time? I know you, you were, Marcos listen, made fun of me the one time because yeah. I started drinking coffee over COVID. Okay. <laughs> but I'm such, I, I'm a person who likes to like sit and have a drink to 
Like, mm-hmm. just take a minute. Yeah. And so a lot of times in the afternoon, I mean, I drink a lot of tea. I always drink a lot of tea. But, you know, that would be like, all right, I'm going to sit. I'm going to have my cup of tea in the afternoon. And all of a sudden, my cup of tea turned into like four because it was just not doing the thing okay. that it needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, like, in January, I think, started drinking coffee. And all this, like, I so rarely drink tea See, anymore. earth-shattering development. That's your well, dopamine level. Yeah, right. but, like, COVID <laughs> changed my, no, it's, my it's, life to coffee. So I'll say this, right? It's... There are many things in life that we do addictively. Oh, yeah. Right? And But the thing is, there are certain things that we might do addictively that don't impact our lives. And in other words, we're able to function, mm-hmm, right? And right. they don't impact the people around us, right? But then there are certain things that we do that all of a sudden it hinders our ability to care for ourselves, care for those around us, right? It's almost like somebody that has been diagnosed with a mental illness, Right. And and part of their treatment plan is, all right, you need to take a prescribed medicine. Right. And then after a short period of time of them taking the medicine, they start to feel good. And then they take it upon themselves. Well, why do I need to keep this taking on this medicine? Right. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they are on this roller coaster of highs and lows. And and those are the things that we struggle with, right? Because um people are um, self-diagnosing themselves, and and sometimes the medicines are pretty powerful that they're on, mm-hmm. and um, and they have certain side effects that they are very much aware of. Um, so so again, is we're dealing with just a lot of facets of mental illness, mm-hmm. but but the key here is right, it's an illness, right? It isn't that there's something um, wrong with you. Um, and, you know, it's like when we have an illness of cancer or anything like that, it's we have no issue going to a doctor. Right. We don't see that as weak. Right. Right. Well, no. it's it's not about the person's moral integrity. Mm. And just to circle back for a second, Jess. So the crisis call line, the 311 is there to provide supportive listening. So let's say you're just depressed and you find yourself well, I've never been able to not get out of bed and I'm realizing that I don't want to get in the shower. Um, I don't want to feed my kids dinner and I'm ordering pizza all the time and I'm getting a little concerned about that. Call 311. You know, I'm having really a lot of anxiety and fear and I'm starting to have trouble. Call 311. That's why the counselors are staffed by the county to help individuals move forward through this. And so, hey, um, my loved one is drinking every day. Call, call me. Call, call ADAC. You know, ask for me, and we can start talking about that and un, and unraveling it. And and I'll say this right. So so as helpful as three one one is in providing that ongoing support, mm-hmm. right? It's, we need to always remember in reference to. Um, the pastors that are here, right? The church, right? Because mm-hmm. most people who are depressed, and if they have a faith in God, they're questioning, well, where is he? Where is he? Yeah. Right. Where is he? Right. So part of connecting with the pastor is the pastor is going to remind you that God is ever so close, right? He has not abandoned you, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, but he is empowering you. Mm-hmm. To be able to maybe make the phone call two three one one right right he is giving you right that's the answer but sometimes the answer God gives us is not the answer we want 
Right? We want to do it in the privacy of our own home. Mm-hmm. You know, we we want to still control it. Right. Um, you know, it's, so again, it and and part of mental illness is it's you just deal with the person where they're at. Mm-hmm. Right. It isn't about where I want to get them. Right. It's this is where they're at, and we're just trying to move them ever so slightly into a positive direction. You know, so right. so again, it's something that takes time. So it's a it's a both and is what you're saying. Yeah. It's it's it, you need the, you don't go to three one one and then say, well, then I don't need spiritual support, and you don't go get spiritual support from pastor and say, well, therefore I don't need three one one. Right. right. Yeah. And and so Absolute, I wonder. Absolutely. There's a, a common objection in some of the corners in the world that we live in mm-hmm. that to go to anything that could be considered psychological help. Mm-hmm is actually um, to deny the sufficiency of scripture mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to say that the Bible isn't enough. Right. So pastorally, how would you respond to that kind of an objection? Right, so so first of all, I would um, ask the individual, well, show me that in scripture, right? Show me where your objection is supported in scripture. Right, because when we are dealing with an individual, one of the things I've learned many years ago, right, it's there are three facets to a person, right? There's the spiritual side, there's the mental side, and there's the physical side, right? So the spiritual side is the part that we as pastors can take care of real quickly because it's empowering the name of Jesus Christ. So if, if there is a spiritual um, presence, that's one of the quickest things that we can take care of, right? When you come, where somebody says, well, Am I feeling this way depressed because I am being impacted by something spiritually? Right. Right. So, so we could take care of that. Mm-hmm. So then the next one is mentally, right? So is there something that's causing an imbalance, right? So there's somebody who's professional that can assess that. Yeah. yeah. Right. We can't assess that. I mean, we might see certain flags, right? But we're not licensed to say, this is what you have. Right. And, and then there's the physical piece. Are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you resting? Mm-hmm. Right. So when you look at all those three, you can get a clear picture on the individual. Right. So so pretty much those are the places that I start asking questions and little by little, their answers lead me to, well, it sounds like you need help here. Right. So so it is. A psychologist you need it is a counselor you need it, it might be 311 because you know what it might be at a very um, high level and you need help now right right and sometimes as pastors we might be the ones calling 311 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right it's it, because that's how desperate that person might need the help at that moment you know, right. so and uh, this is a we've touched on this but I want to make it really explicit because there may be family members who are listening and saying, that's all well and good, but my loved one is never going to call 311. They're never going to do it for themselves. And so Kim, you have talked about family members can reach out on behalf of family members. Absolutely. So can you just walk us through the importance of the value of that, of family members taking the initiative to say, they may not do it themselves. Mm-hmm. I need to do it and it's okay. I'm not betraying them. So- Oh, absolutely. So for 311, you know, if you're a family member and you're concerned, call. Ask for a well check. You know, talk it out with a counselor. Uh, As far as substance and alcohol use goes, and you give me a call, um, here's one of the things that I talk with about individuals. There's no stigma. There is no shame. Here's the current statistic right now in the United States. 
one out of every 10 individuals ages 12 and over have a diagnosable substance or alcohol use disorder. One out of 10. That's the brand new statistic coming out. Wow. It's staggering. It's staggering. And so I let them know that we can't control or change ultimately what that individual is going to choose. Right? Right. But what we can do is we can control our reaction to it. And so what does that look like? You know, like I mentioned before, you know, this isn't about a moral failing, mental health or substance or alcohol use, you know. Um, It's, you know, we're here, we're talking about it in a a godly sense, you know, this is the enemy. Um, We need to be focused on the transformative power of the gospel message Mm. And along with that, you know, what are some of the other resources that we can work on? What what does substance use look like? What does alcohol use look like? How do we become more knowledgeable? And so for the family member wanting to know, well, yeah, get the information. Find out, you know, how do we help to equip and empower you? with the scripture verses, with the appropriate literature, you know, so that you can respond in a really positive new way. I, I want to ask a question because you just said something I think is really important and helpful. And, and I want to bring this, I think, to Jose. There's even a language change here. Some people may be thinking, you know, it used to be substance addiction or alcohol addiction. And we've, we've shifted the language to substance abuse disorder. And, and we're seeing it as a disorder. It's, it's substance and, use disorder. Right, substance yeah. use disorder. Thank you. Alcohol use and we've, disorder. And we've also made the statement even here that this is not about a moral failing, but this is a disease. Absolutely. And so, Jose, I wonder if you can help us navigate that, because as Christians, I think we've always looked at these things as, well, that's just a wicked sinner. Mm-hmm. How do we rewire to saying, no, this is somebody who has a disorder. They have a disease. How do we reorient even our understanding of the sinful nature of this? Mm-hmm. Well, I think you, um, in asking the question, you actually answered it, right? Um, it is sin, right? It is, it is the fallen state of humanity. Mm-hmm. And this is just one branch of it manifesting itself in someone's life, right? So, um, So part of it is just addressing it for what it is, um, not giving it any more power or authority, um, but really getting as much knowledge about it. And and not just knowledge by itself, but knowledge in balance to, well, what would God want in this particular situation, right? Because you can have all the knowledge in the world, but without a spiritual awakening, it's just dead, right? Um, so... Um, so part of it is just knowing that um, mental illness is something that is in the fabric of humanity, right? Um, and, and here's the thing, right? The mind is an amazing thing, right? It's We can handle so many things. But then what happens is after years 
of bombardment of just everything. All of a sudden, one small thing, just all of a sudden, it's like flipping a switch. And things that we used to handle, all of a sudden, we can't handle. And all of a sudden, the first thing is, what's wrong with me? Right? Oh, wait, I, I still got to do all these things. But I can't get out of my own way. I can't wake up in the morning. I'm depressed. Right? Um, and, and that could be as simple as you having a loss. It could be the loss of a job a loss of a family member, a loss of anything where you are experiencing grief. And, and also that event um, pushed you over the edge. right? And, and then God, because of who he is, um, he wants to take us all to a whole new place. right? We want to go back to where we used to be, but um, that's not how God works. right? It's, he takes us to a whole new place with our deficiencies, our shortcomings. And then he says, all of that stuff that's horrible, I want to redeem it. Not for you, but for me. Mm. For my glory, my honor, right? And, and then I'm going to use your story to touch somebody else who's just like you, right? And, and, and that's how this whole journey works when I look at God in reference to people that suffer with mental illness and Right, because um, mental illness is difficult. Um, you know, people can sometimes be annoying. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I would I would say you know it could be really challenging because you know you want to be helpful. And then let's, let's take alcohol and drugs, for example. You know, you have a loved one who constantly drinks and says they're going to give it up and this, that, and the other thing. And what, what do we know today about that? We know that screaming, crying, pleading, a bargaining, all these things, they don't work. You need to learn the new language on how to interact. And that's, that's part of what I do, you know, is... How do you learn? Like, what does a boundary look like? Um, we think we're all really great p communicators, but what is positive communication? Do you know about your tone? Do you know about your timing? Do you know how to be brief when you're interacting with somebody who is struggling, whether it be mental health issues, they're depressed, they have anxiety, or they're suffering and they're coping by using alcohol and drugs, mm. you know? Well, you know, thank you both for being here, for talking about this with us. I want to just before we right before we end, I want to highlight again a couple of these resources, and we're going to make sure that they're in the show notes as well. Um, ADAC. Yeah, the Alcoholism uh, and Drug Abuse Council. Please take advantage of that resource. Negotian. And and Kim is there, so yeah. you can go right to her if you need help there. Mm -hmm. um, also, the uh, 311 as the number to call if you're in crisis. Mm -hmm. And then this resource that, uh, Kim, you mentioned, Beyond Addiction by Jeffrey Footy. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. that is, we're going to have that resource up and available for folks as well. So um, the other resource that's available to our church community, we're going to talk about next week. And you're both going to be back next week to help us walk through this. It's Celebrate Recovery. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about this because... Um, it is not just for people who are battling addiction. It's for everybody. And we're going to get into what that looks like, what that means next week. But until then, 
Jose, Kim, thanks for being with us. Thank Absolutely. You. Thanks for having yeah. us. We will see everybody next time. This has been uh, Season 7, Episode 5 of Good Will Talk. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like our show, please leave us a five-star rating, write a review, and be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Check out our episode notes for links to our church website and any resources shared on this episode. Editing and sound design by Jeff DiMatti. Marcos Ortega wrote this episode. Our executive producers are Mike Antonucci, Jeff DiMatti, and Tracy Johnson. Your co-hosts are Pastor Marcos Ortega and Jessica Kilduff. A special thanks to Goodwill Church for supporting this show so we may provide it to you, our listeners, for free. Let's talk again next week 